welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Well, it's always a real pleasure for Ruth and I to be here, and even more so this morning. It's just wonderful. Hallelujah. Some new faces to us, and online, I'm sure, you're very welcome as well. You know, we're seeing firsthand what invasion is like. And like Nick, and we're a long way away from it, but we see it every night, and it's, it, it, there's, a, there's a morning to it now. The devastation, not just the, the, the devastation of cities and communities, but of people's hearts and everything else. I remember traveling with an elderly Polish man in, um, in a vehicle. Uh, it was a long journey, and we were sitting together, and he was, I thought he was about 80, probably a bit younger than that. He's told me about when he was young as a boy being invaded by the Nazis in Poland and his parents being shot, and their whole village was erased and everything else. And he said, just as we were covering with hope of release, the Red Army came from the east, and he said it was even worse. And he said, we've been crushed. This was probably about 10, 12 years ago. He said, we've been crushed for decades as a result of that invasion. Invasion is a terrible thing. Um, but take heart this morning. We've all been invaded one way or the other, but... Uh, we've been rescued from the invader. Hallelujah. And C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity, he, there's a chapter entitled The Invasion, and he talks about the earth being, being enemy-occupied territory, having been invaded by an alien and a rebellious evil who is not the original ruler. And he goes on to say, the rightful king has already arrived. You might say in disguise, he's vanquished, though not yet removed the enemy, and is calling us to take part, and this is his coin of phrase, to take part in a campaign of sabotage. <laughs> and even this morning, as we've been worshipping, I mean, our weapons are not natural. They're praise. They're, 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 they're glorifying him their prayer, their, his word, their spiritual. And they are, I just felt a pulling down of strongholds, a casting down of arguments over every high thing that exists itself against what? You know, against the knowledge of God. And against the knowledge of God that he wants to impart into you. That's what he's after. That's what the, the, the enemy is after. So we need to encourage one another and exhort one another to meet together and to go on with him. And, you know, at times we're aware of the wrestling. And we wonder why. Um, and we usually say it, it's natural things. It may come through natural forms. But there is a wrestling and it isn't against flesh and blood. It's against the invader. It's against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Many things are seeking to invade our space, our thoughts, our minds, our lives. And that is why we, we are aware of this wrestling. And ever since Genesis chapter 3, invasion has been a fact of life. 
And whether we realize it or not, we have all been invaded, we've all been occupied, we've all been subjected, contaminated one way or another. And that's why we need, and we need it, and we continue to need a rescuer, a savior. The thief has come to invade and to plunder and to intrude and to bring destruction wherever and to whoever he can. But praise him, in the midst of this if I could say, invaded planet, we can live and move freely and have our being in the the liberated territory of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. That's the invasion-free zone, spiritually, in our hearts, that we can live in. Although we walk around and and, and not everything on the earth is, is, is dark and gloomy and invaded. There's beauty out there. He still, his grace prevails, but we know there's something happening. And we're going to look this morning, albeit briefly, at one of the first major invasions in history. Uh, But it's interesting, it's recorded in the Bible in three different books. And how it was resisted and defeated, and how an invasion-free zone was declared. You know, ultimately what we're going to look at this morning, and ultimately what we feel in our lives, is a showdown which will be determined between the voice of the invader, that thus says the invader, and what he says are what thus says the Lord. It's two voices. And that's why Jesus said, take care how you hear. Let's not be casual when we read his word or when we just come before him and we have a sense that he is speaking. And I want to read, um, if you have your... Your book Bible or your tablet Bible, I would suggest you get it out because it probably uh, uh, just make this a bit easier to follow. It's, we're going to look at one of the three accounts of this invasion. It's in Isaiah chapter 36. I'm just going to read the first three verses. And then we're, after that, we're going to have a look, I hope, of a map. Okay, but we will read the three verses here. Isaiah 36, and it came to pass in the 14th year of King Hezekiah that Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judea, of Judah and took them. Can I say he's taken a lot more besides? He's taken the northern kingdom, which was then divided, of Israel. He's taken its capital, Samaria. His aim is to go on to Egypt. He wants to take Egypt. He didn't, but his successor eventually did. He's, he's, he's creating supply lines through. And this town of Jerusalem, this city of Jerusalem, where the presence of the Lord was, was in his way. And it says here, then the king of Assyria sent the uh, Rabshakai. That's the name given to his premier general. He moved up his premier general to this with a great army from where they were a little bit north of Jerusalem in Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. And this man, this powerful ruler with thousands of soldiers, and I would say the Assyrians were the most cruel, evasive people probably in history. They say that the Mongols who came with with Genghis Khan were pretty cruel, but these guys, they devised things. I read a bit of history of it and I stopped reading it. It was so awful of what they do. This This is real, real real aggression. And it's interesting, he comes now, Jerusalem was well fortified because Hezekiah had prepared 
10, 15 years earlier, he was a prepared man. And you can read in Chronicles, he extended the walls, he built up the walls, he, he, his arms industry, he calls it warriors and shields, he developed it, he trained special military. He was a prepared man. And this, this, this general comes, and it's interesting where he stands. I love the detail in scripture. He said, then he came and he stood at the, by the aqueduct, by the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. He's staying there. I can see him standing there, his hands on his hip. And he's saying, King Hezekiah, people of Jerusalem. Some say that this man, he, he was an apostate Jew because he spoke Hebrew. And he spoke Hebrew. He wanted to scare them. He wanted to fear them. And he's saying, more or less he's staying, saying demonstratively, I'm standing on your very source of life on the aqueduct. Water isn't going to flow here. It's in my power. Little did he know that 15 years earlier, Hezekiah had, had dug what is called today Hezekiah's Tunnel. If you ever visit Jerusalem, we've walked through it. If you're afraid of small tunnels, don't go through it, but if it's worth it, and the water is still flowing. It's an 18 hundred foot uh, uh, small channel through uh, stone that he had already built so the water could flow. So he was a man who needed access, who knew he needed access to life. And, and he stood there and, and he's standing on this place and he's talking and he's, he's addressing people. Now, I don't know who's up there, but if you can throw up that map that um, hopefully is prepared. There we are. Hallelujah. All right. This invasion came in waves. And you'll find things come in waves in your life. Have you found that? And you say, oh, I became a Christian and for three months it was wonderful. And then something's happened. There's a wave coming through. He wants to regain territory that has been surrendered to the king. And these are many waves coming from, you see, where um, the capital of Assyria was Nineveh. Uh, and you can go on in history and see what happened to Nineveh. God brought revival to Nineveh. Uh, but, but at the moment, it's the capital. Babylon is further south. That hasn't risen to a great power yet. It's the Assyrian um, um, Empire. And you see all these waves that are coming, uh, probably over four, five hundred years, waves were coming. Waves, there, was, there was war between them and Egypt and so on. And he's, he's, he's coming through. And I just, I was thinking about this during the week, and I looked at the back of my Bible, and I saw this map. I'm interested in history, and I saw the bit of geography, and I don't know if you can see this behind the drummer's uh, uh, kit here. I want to point it out to you, because it hit me, right? So all these waves, all this color, and it's the green wave here is the time we're reading about in Isaiah. This green wave, he's coming down Damascus to the north. Have a look there. You can see the town of Aleppo, that's been in the news the last four or five years. That was there even then. This is about 600 years BC. And he's coming down, he's coming down, and we see Jerusalem, Lachish, where the headquarters of his army was. He's en route to Egypt. That blue is for, they did invade Egypt and, the, and a lot of the night. And then I saw this, where Jerusalem is, and a circle around it, and it said, Judah was free zone. I don't know if you can see it there or maybe on these screens here. And something rose in my heart. I said, oh, Lord. And, and I, I've been going through some things and uh, 
and we all have, you feel waves, you feel, oh, this thing. And we're free zones today, and this was a declaration from here, right from, from the moment Andy stood up, and you talked about the beauty of the king, and, and Stephen and the, team, the worship they, they brought. I just felt, we're in a, yes, here, yeah, but in here. We're talking about in here. This is our, our free zone. We're free. The Bible says we can be free from sin. How about that? We can be free from the taunts and the, uh, and the evasiveness of the enemy. You know, it's amazing things, and we don't want to over-spiritualize it. We can be invaded from time to time with worry. We can be invaded with oppression, with depression. We can be invaded with fear. We can be invaded with frustration. And as you get older and you look back, we can be invaded with regret, maybe. We're always subject to invasion. It's always been so ever since Satan, the serpent, the shining one, in Genesis chapter 3, and implanted a seed into her and then into Adam. Romans chapter 5 says through, is it 5? Through one man, sin entered the whole world. Through one man. I remember speaking about that once. I forget where it was. And some, some, some guy came up, a nice man, and he said, but he said, how can through one man all that you said happen? How could through one man? And I said a few things. But you know, these last few months, it's one man in Moscow one man. My friend, my Polish friend, it was through one man in Berlin in 1939 invaded his country. One man. It's, it's in time. But it also says, but through one man, the one we've been acknowledging and worshiping, he's, 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 he's not just repelled the invader, he's cured of us his poison. He's cured of us of his poison. Hallelujah. Now, um, so everywhere, everywhere else is invaded except down there, Jerusalem and that little enclave in Judah. And I said, how come it wasn't invaded? 110 years later it was from the Babylonians. The Babylonians, they came. And you know about the Babylonian captivity and King Cyrus is told by, by God to let them go back and rebuild the temple and rebuild the walls and we have the book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah. But that's further on. Uh, uh, the Bible is wonderful. It expands the ages every situation. But I like this. You and I, if you're born again by the Spirit of God, if you're a follower and believer in Jesus Christ, we can live, we are living, but we can actually experience living in a invasive-free zone. Hallelujah. 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 Um, how come? How come? The thief has come to invade, to plunder, to intrude, and here is his army. Well, um, from Isaiah 36, verse 3, all the way down to the end of the chapter, we don't have time this morning, but I was just very gripped with this. I'd read it before, but I started to read it again, and I saw certain things in it that were very parallel to what took place in the garden. They were very parallel, and they're very parallel. The wicked one, the, the, uh, Satan and his minions who... They don't particularly care about you and me, but they do care about the life of Jesus within us. They hate him, and they want to invade our lives. They cannot take away a relationship that we have with him. That's 
bought and paid for with the currency of the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. But they can come and make that relationship of none effect. And they can bring things of the world into, the, into our lives and into our existence. And there are things as you read this, and I'll point out one or two of them just for the sake of time. We won't go through everything. That are very similar to what happened in terms of that temptation, that invasion that happened in Genesis chapter 3. And the first one is speculation. Speculation to, 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 to open up our minds to other things. And, and straight away, this man, the Rabshakai, he's a high up general, and he says to Hezekiah, no, he says to them, say to Hezekiah, this is verse 4, chapter 36. Follow it if it is. Thus says. And you will notice a lot of thus says throughout this chapter. It's always thus says, thus says, thus says. That circumstances you're going through, that, 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 that event that's taken you by surprise, it's speaking. Everything speaks. And, and it, wants to, uh, it, it wants to control our lives. He says, thus says the great king of Assyria. What confidence is this in which you trust? So immediately he's speculating. He's opened up your mind a questioning. Can I really trust God? Can I really trust his word? Oh, but I had this, this, and this, and this. I've been offended by the church here and here. And it begins to undermine us. And he says, I say you speak of having plans and powerful war, war, but they are mere words. Now, in whom do you trust? This is verse 5, that you rebel against me. So he's speculating all the way down through here. And he's accusing them of trusting in Egypt. There was a bit of an alliance with Egypt, but it wasn't particularly permanent. But he said, oh, you're trusting in those people. And then he says in verse 7, he, he lies to them. He's, he's, he's kind of beginning to convince them, so he lies in verse 7. You say to me, if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar? No, it's a lie. That is not what happened. Hezekiah, he destroyed some of the altars that had become idols to the people. Hezekiah introduced revival into the life. And it's, it's amazing these voices that can come, that can invade us in our minds, even through very ordinary, natural, practical things that come against us in life. And they're there to undermine our walk with the Lord and speculate. And then in verse 8, we have the second. So from speculation, there's this persuasiveness. The first is to open up our mind. The second is to engage our will to act. And we'll see this. No, I beg your pardon. This is enticement in verse 8. And then there is the other. So we have speculation and then enticement. This is to awaken desire. So verse 8, he says, picture him there. He's there with all his army. He's standing on the, on the source of life. And he's speaking in their language to them. And they're all beginning to quake. And he says in verse 8, Now therefore I urge you, Give a pledge to my master, the king of Syria, and I will give you 2,000 horses. They probably didn't have a horse left in there. They've been besieged for a number of years. And then a bit of sarcasm, if you're able on your part to put riders on them. And this is enticement. And you'll hear at those moments of your weakness, oh, I've been... I've been ill, I've had this, I've been trusting the Lord, I've had people pray for me, oh, it's not working. And you begin to... You begin continue to trust. We heard about that man who lost his four daughters over the Atlantic, and he wrote that hymn. 
it is well with my soul. There is power. There is, a, there is a, 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 an invasion-free zone available for us in Christ, no matter what we go through. And there are men in this and women in this, this, this congregation this morning who can testify to this. All is, does not seem well in our lives at times, but we can still say because of Christ, all really is well in the big picture. Hallelujah. Amen. And then, and then we go on. I just want to... Um, um, the three men that um, Hezekiah sent out, his three faithful men, one was head of the household, the other was a scribe, the other was the recorder. These were reliable men. These were like the elders, and they go out, or the deacons, and they go out, and, uh, and they hear this, and they begin to talk to him a bit. Uh, and he said, oh, please, in verse, verse 11, they're saying to him, please speak to your servants. And in Aramaic, we, we don't want you to speak Hebrew. We don't want everyone else to know. And of course, the reply is, I will speak, I will speak Hebrew. I want them all to know. Really, he's putting fear. He's a minister of fear into our lives. And that's one of the biggest things that can invade in our lives is fear. And so on, well, look at the time. So anyway, he, he, um, um, he continues on. It's all this undermining, verse 15, don't let Hezekiah uh, uh, put his trust in the Lord, etc., etc., etc. And he comes to persuading them engaging their will. So you have speculation, enticement, and persuasion. He's trying to engage their will now in verse 15 down to 20. And he's, he's nearly ex- succeeding. And they come back, and wisely they had heard Hezekiah say to them, don't engage with him. Just hear what he has to say. They come back to Hezekiah in chapter 37. Hezekiah hears what they're saying, and it's, it's an outward expression of humility, and, and of wanting to come in in the presence of the Lord in those days. They covered themselves in cloth. And Hezekiah, he went into, hallelujah, the house of the Lord. Now, it wasn't into the holy, holy it was into the courts of the Lord. He couldn't go into, but, but there was no doubt there. He fell down before the Lord. It doesn't say that. And he sends these men, he said, something happened to him. Back against the wall, all the preparation he'd made 10, 15 years earlier. And if this can happen, if you've been a Christian 30, 40 years and you're even in, in ministry, I tell you, these things can happen to you. But I've done this, I've done that, I've kept the well open, I've opened this, I've served you, I've done this, I've prepared, I've, I, I've, I've, I'm doing my Ephesians chapter 6, preparing my. Uh, and all of a sudden, wham, out of the blue, something happens to you. Invasion. He still wants to grab hold of the. Of the life within you. And he says this. This is, what, this is what clinched it for Hezekiah. He said, I need the word of the Lord. Amen. And he knew a man, Isaiah, in those days, the word of the Lord was primarily through prophets. Today, we have the great prophet, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he'll speak to us all. <laughs> we don't need any assistance. But he, he, he says, Go and ask Isaiah for the word. And then we see verse 5 of chapter 37. They go in and they tell him everything. And this is Isaiah talking to them. Verse 6. Thus you shall say to your master. Thus says the Lord. We've heard all this in 30, chapter 36. And you can go through it. I find it fascinating. It was just so compelling. This is, this, is exact, this is exposing the ways of the wicked one. This is exposing even the ways of the world because he will use the ways of the world. Social media, news media, everyone, the agendas that are happening. It's interesting in this current invasion, there's very two very distinct voices coming through. 
this is a special military operation. No, it's an invasion. No, it's a special It's there all the time. Have you noticed that, that Putin has quoted scripture at times? This man, the um, Rab he, he he's quoting scripture. He says, the Lord has told us to come and invade you. It's the parallels are, are amazing. But I want to just move on. I want to end on, on, on just one other portion. But this is what Isaiah says. Thus says the Lord, don't be afraid. Maybe that's all someone needs to hear online here. Don't be afraid. Fear. It's a, it, it grips us. It negates his word. It penetrates into our will. Don't be afraid of the words which you've heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. This is Yahweh saying this. It's not just you, it's, it's who you bear, who you stood for, who you believe in. That's who he's after. Surely, verse 7, I will send a spirit upon him and he shall hear a rumor. He's been spreading rumors. He shall hear a rumor and return to his own land. And I will cause him to fall by the sword of his own land. In fact, his two sons killed him as he was worshiping in the temple of Dagon, I think it was. His sons, very sons, came in and killed him. We're going to bypass 8 to 13, but immediately, that word obviously comes back to, uh, to Hezekiah, immediately the Rabshakai returns, and he's turning up the heat. Have you noticed that at times? You feel, oh, I've had the word of the Lord, bam, bam, it comes in again, circumstances change, and you're one. Here it is, it happens. And he's, he's, he, he, in fact, he says, have you ever been in a situation, I used to be in business, and there's a kind of a veiled threat. Well, Mr. Hill, we'll put that in writing, <laughs> you know, or uh, I'll get my solicitor to put it in writing. Have you had that? He's, he's, he's saying, I don't know why he said, but he says, we're going to put it in writing. And he put this in writing, what they were going to do. And it was awful what they did to prisoners. It was awful what they did to, they would slaughter, they would do all sorts of things. We've seen, we've seen some of this happening in this precious land of Ukraine. We've seen some of it happen. They, they were doing this. And he gets this. It says in verse 14, Hezekiah, he's already received the word from Isaiah. What a great word. And then he receives the letter from the hand of the messengers. This is 37, 14. And he read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and he spread it before the Lord. He spread it before the Lord. I, I, I went into that word spread. You know, I just thought it's like putting out a, like a tablecloth. I said, well, Lord, there's this, there's this. What do you think? But to spread in the Hebrew, it means you break it down. You then disperse it. You chop it up and you scatter it away. The Lord Jesus Christ, he did this for our sin on the cross. It was spread before him. He bore it. He was aware of it, the weight of it, the awfulness of it. It was born and he, he bore it and then he conquered it. Hallelujah. That's what to do with the, with the threats and the deceptions and the lies of the enemy. Just bring them before the Lord. And sometimes it's good for us even to voice them out and say, Lord, what do you think? 
Just be real with them. And you'll see them dissipate, either immediately or over time, and certainly the effect in your mind. And then, he, then Hezekiah, he's inspired by the Lord, and he begins to pray. <laughs> he's been asking others to pray. He's been sending other men down. It said he, he, he went into the temple of the, uh, the outer courts of the Lord. It doesn't actually say he prayed. He may have, but here it says, then Hezekiah, verse 15, he prayed. Now, I'm not going to go through this prayer, although I had prepared it. It's a marvelous prayer. He's taken up, and he's seen something bigger than what's around him. He's seen, there he is, in between the cherubims, the great conquering one. He's over every emperor. This was, historians would say, this was the first great empire that invaded in such a way. There was the Babylonian, the Greek, the Roman, and others that followed. But this was the first the great one. And, and, and he's saying he's over, he's sovereign. He, he reigns, he rules. And you need to feed yourself. I need to feed myself, even on those scriptures, on the promises of the Lord. And the Spirit takes the word, he takes the word, puts it in us, and we can say, that's true, that's true. I not only think it, I not only believe it, but I feel it, okay? And then in verse... verse 20, it says, he says, oh, now therefore, O Lord God, save us from his hand. Really, when it comes to it, the actual petition he makes is quite brief. <laughs> you know, sometimes we go on and we keep reminding the Lord and explaining what's going on. And there's a time for that, I'm sure there is. But there comes a time that you say, Lord, you know it. <laughs> and he just says, oh, Lord, save us from his hand. That all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord, you alone. He came to that place. And then, then Isaiah, he sends another word to him. Thus says the Lord, God of Israel, because you have prayed to me. I've underlined that phrase in my Bible, because you have prayed. Sometimes we can make prayer such a common thing. And, well, I hope it is. <laughs> but, you know, it's, our, oh, well, I better pray or I'll have a bit of No, no, prayer is more than just vocal. It's, it's getting into the presence. One of the things that will cost you in prayer at times is, is time. But no, oh no, 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 I gotta watch this, I gotta do that, I got really. Hezekiah, the guys are at the doorstep, he's had it in writing, <laughs> he says, I'm gonna pray. And that's why sometimes we have to go through things to, to bring us into that realization. And he prays. And the Lord says, Because you have prayed to me against the king of Assyria, this is the word which the Lord has spoken concerning. And, and then he goes on and he confirms to him what he had already spoken to Isaiah. Now, we're quickly, I want to go, um, when Andy was saying, he said it a couple of times, he talked about uh, the beauty, beauty for ashes, okay? Um, we're, we're going to move to Isaiah chapter 52. Can I say these verses are a progressive prophecy? They, they, they were for that moment in time. They were also for 120 years later when King Cyrus of Babylon moved and he allowed the people to return. They also greatly prophesy about the Lord Jesus Christ coming to earth. And they are also referred to any one of us who bear the gospel. Okay? But this was written in around the time, and you can just see Isaiah 52. He's talking about in verse 4, my people went down at first to Egypt, then the Assyrian oppressed them without cause, etc., etc. And then Typical of Isaiah, he kind of, it seems as if he's jumping here, jumping there, but, but there's a passion through it all. Then in verse 7, and this is what we're going to go out on this morning. If you feel invaded, if you know people who have been invaded, here is the good news. Verse 7, how beautiful 
upon the mountains. The ups and downs of your life, the valleys, the mountains, the, the good times, the crevices, the, the secret places, the, the, the everything to do with your life, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Now, by the way, in the museum in Chicago, there's a museum in Chicago that has a prism. It's a hexagonal baked clay prism and tiny script on it. And it, it describes all of this. It's, it, it, it's, it's a history written by the Assyrians of this time. And it, it, it corresponds a lot of the history with what the Bible says. So it's, 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 this is true. This happened. And we don't know whether those, it's, it's the angel of the, of the Lord went out that night that he'd spoken. And it says 180,000 of the army was killed. And Sennacherib, he left them and he went on down into Egypt. And I'm wondering, is this describing the watchmen? Because it says they rose up early in the morning after this word again. I don't know if they're, they're on the ramparts looking over the walls and all the bodies are there. Or it's just over the hill where the army was. It doesn't say. But it says that at least one person, maybe he was a runner, a, a scout went out, and he's running back. Or maybe it's, it's the guard. Oh, I'm wondering, are those Assyrians are about to come in? And he sees all the bodies. I don't know which one, but it was one of them. And he says here, and he... he, he, he Isaiah is caught up. He's in the city. He hears the guard. And he says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Now, obviously, this is for us. This is referring to the Lord Jesus. Who proclaims peace. Who brings glad tidings of good things. Who proclaims salvation. And who says to Zion, Your God reigns in this situation. In this invasion. You have an evasion-free zone. You can live freely no matter what's happening. Corrie Ten Boom, read her book, Concentration Camp. She, she lived in that, in an invasion-free zone, in her heart, in her spirit. And then it's the verse 8. Your watchmen shall lift up their voices, and with their voices they shall sing together, for they shall see in total clarity when the, what, when the Lord brings back Zion. Break forth into joy. I, that's what we were doing this morning, right? I was breaking forth into it. It was great. In spite of maybe things in my life, I'm breaking forth into joy this morning. Sing together. You waste places of Jerusalem. Have you ever been called a waster? You know, I remember in school, there was one guy in our class. His name was Rob, and he was such a waster. And we called him Rob the waster. It, we've all, we all these waste places. But we can sing. He speaks to the waste places of the church. Waste places. Uh, maybe some of you are particularly going through a, a time of invasion. You know, ironically, we get upset when someone invades our space or our privacy. We take people to court when we invade their copyright. This is, this, thus that's petty compared to this. And sometimes we just feel, oh Lord, oh Lord, I need your comfort. And he says it here, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations. All that troop of, of survivors, and they went back to the main army, the, the Assyrians in Lachish, and they told what had happened. And he said, oh, well, we're not going back there. And he says he goes back to Nineveh. And they all heard 
All the known world at that time was in that fertile crescent and word spread what had happened. And it was 110 years later before anyone ever attempted to invade again. Hallelujah. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of the Lord. You know, what a, what, what a wonder. It, it, it's no wonder this phrase, this phrase, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet who brings good news. It gets quoted three places. Here, the prophet Nahum and Paul the apostle, they quote this. This is something wonderful. It's also the prelude to chapter 53 and the final servant song, as they call it. There are four servant songs in Isaiah. Here's the final. It's the father singing over the son about what he will do and when he will do it. It's, it's the prelude. It's coming out of an invasion situation, and, and it's bringing forth the redemption of the Lord Jesus on the earth. You know, <coughs> I'll end now, sorry. It's not the first time, no, it's not the first thing that you express to your sweetheart. My darling, you have the most beautiful feet. (laughs) It's usually her eyes or her hair or or something. Uh, And yet this phrase, it kind of gets a bit lost in translation for us. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet. But his feet are beautiful. The word feet here is used figuratively. And beautiful refers not so much to the feet, but to the entire messenger and message. The good news of peace is beautiful. It comes running. Come running to you. Let him run to you this morning to to greet the oppressed, the besieged, the threatened, the depressed, the cornered, the wounded, the abandoned, the abused. He comes running and he says the invasion is over. It's for freedom that you set us free. The word here for beautiful is in the Hebrew language is different to an example. It uses beautiful in verse 1 of chapter 52. That's the ornamental beauty. That's the outside beauty. This word that he uses it in verse 7, uh, I rooted around for this. It took a bit of, sometimes we just have to do a bit of detective work, uncover things. And I rooted around a bit, and the primitive root of that word beautiful means to be at home. These are the feet that can direct us and bring us home to that place that years ago we always knew there was something more, but we never knew where it was. Hallelujah. Back to Eden states, back to before Genesis 3, back to where everything was just, oh, beautiful. And these are the feet that gives us, it's a foretaste of where we're going. They're beautiful feet. And only the other day we were listening to a friend, he was doing a Bible study in John chapter 10. I thought I knew John 10 reasonably well. He came to verse 11. He's talking about the good shepherd. And he says, oh, kalos is the Greek word for good. But he says, interesting enough, it's also the word for beautiful. He's the beautiful shepherd. So may his beautiful feet, may this verse, Isaiah 52, 7, mean something more to us this morning as we go forth, even this afternoon. Hallelujah. Uh, There is... Much in those chapters, if you have it on your heart, take them. Uh, uh, I'm going to pass over to Pastor Nick to wind things up. But just remember, invasion-free zone. We can walk in it and bless the Lord in it. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, 
you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless. Thank you.